kidding. We're going to talk about this idea of hungry and thirsty. Hungry and thirsty. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And uh, really, it's going to be a, a, a message geared towards relationships and love. Um, and uh, I think uh, Valentine's Day is an interesting thing because I think, like, for some of us, we feel, like, super lonely and sad on Valentine's Day. Um, and I think the, the reason for that and why it's such a big deal um, is Valentine's Day is, is really just, I think the heart, if you were to, like, break it down, like, the heart behind it, um, it's not chocolate candy and roses, although those are nice, um, but it's not that. It's really, like, to have a sense that people care about me and people are there for me. Um, and I think that's kind of what our culture as a whole is craving. The, this, the reality that there's somebody out there or people out there that are for me and care about me. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about uh, tonight and some practical application as we deal with uh, relationships and things like that. So John chapter 4, and I'm talking about uh, this idea, hungry and thirsty is my message title. So John chapter 4, beginning verse 1, we'll read a little bit of scripture. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Um, so we'll read a bit of scripture, and then we'll break it down and talk about it. All right, it says this. You guys there? If you're not, the verses will be on the screen. It says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made um, and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he, Jesus, needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground. Whenever I read Sychar, this is so random. There's a donut place in California called Sidecar. And whenever I read Sychar, I picture the donuts. And so now you can picture donuts too. All right, so uh, called Sychar, a plot of ground uh, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So there was, this, there was this racism going on between Jews and Samaritans at this time. And Jewish people did not hang out with Samaritans especially not Samaritan women. So Jesus is breaking stereotypes. Jesus is breaking down cultural norms right here in this moment. And she's like, why are you doing this? And then Jesus answered and said to her, I love his answer. If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And this woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? I can almost imagine the sarcasm a little bit. You don't even have a bucket. Like, what are you talking about, living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, he's pointing to the well. You gotta, you've got to put yourself in the story, right? They're standing outside the city. There's this well of water. There's this woman drawing water from the well. Jesus asked her, and, she, and she's like, you're asking me? And he's like, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me. And she's like, you don't even have a bucket. And then she's like, he says, but if you drink from this water, from, from this well, he says, you're going to thirst again. The picture is like, you, would, you, you have to come back here every day. 
You have to come back and replenish your bucket and go back to your house to drink the water. He says, but whoever drinks of the water, verse 14, that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then the woman said to her, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor have to come here to draw. And Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. <laughs> right? She's like, he's like, go, go, go grab your husband and come back here. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, well, technically you're right, because you've had five husbands, and the person you're shacking up with now, you're not even married to. And listen, listen to her response. Listen to her response. Then verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> you're like, there's something different about you. Our fathers, listen to this. I love this. She changes the subject. She doesn't even, she says, I think you're a prophet. And she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem in the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what for, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Worship the Father. You worship what you don't. We know what we worship. For us, our salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So what we're going to talk about, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this time that we can be here. We ask that you would speak to us now through your word. God, give us clarity. And as we navigate a little bit this idea of relationship and love and romance, God, would you just give us direction and wisdom on how to handle those things and do things in such a way that we can live set apart and give you glory in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys ever go grocery shopping on an empty stomach? I know that was like kind of a perfectly seamless trans- transition. Um, you guys ever go grocery shopping on an empty stomach? Let me tell you, it's a bad idea, and I'll tell you why. Because when you go grocery shopping on an empty stomach, anything and everything looks good, right? You're like going because you're like, I need to buy like carrots, and I need to buy like chicken. That's it. That's all I need. And then you walk in, and you're like, cookies, like ice cream. Pretty soon you go home with, like, all this junk that you don't need. Have you noticed, this is besides the point. Have you noticed in Publix, though, the people that make the, the like, you can try this food, it's never done yet? Have you noticed this? I swear, every time I go in there, they're, like, just getting it out to, like, start cutting it up. And you're like, how long is it going to be? Oh, I'll come back in, like, a half an hour. A half an hour? Like, I'm not trying to hang out in Publix all day. What are you talking about? Anyways, that's just something I've noticed. But uh, I go into, go into the store, and you're hungry, and what happens is you become desperate for anything. right? You're just like, I just need something in my stomach. And so you're hungry, and be, as a result, this, you, you just want anything. And listen, listen, the same is true in relationships. You go looking for love on an empty stomach, it isn't good. Huh. <laughs> 
If you go looking for love or romance or a relationship on an empty stomach, in other words, you're desperate a little bit, anything or everything begins to look good. Right? You're just like, well, they're breathing. <laughs> they, they, like they, they texted me back. Like most people just left me on red and this person responded and so they're the one. Like I'm planning our, I'm planning our wedding day. Like this is it. And, and, and if we go, if, if we view relationships and we just think of them just, I just need anything or, or someone, when we go in on an empty stomach, it isn't good. Now, let me, let me break this down for the text for a moment, and then we'll give some application. Jesus has this encounter with this Samaritan woman. He has what he would call an appointment. You notice that? It says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Now, remember, Jesus is God in flesh. He doesn't have to do anything, right? He's God. Like, the, the scripture talks about how, how the word Jesus created all things, and he holds everything together by the word of his power. Like Jesus doesn't have to do anything. And yet, he needed to go through Samaria. I love this story because it shows the humanity of Jesus. One, in this moment where he says he needed to go to Samaria. But also, did you notice that Jesus was wearied from his journey? That Jesus traveled from, from where he was to Samaria. And when he got there, he was tired. Why? Because Jesus, not only is he God, he's also man. He, he relates to us. He understands what it's like to go through exhaustion and weariness. And he gets there, and he's tired, and he sits down by this well, and the disciples go in, and it seems nonchalant. It seems casual. It seems like, oh, this woman just happened to walk out. But did you know that after this story, Jesus never goes into Samaria Jesus leaves, the woman goes back into Samaria, but Jesus had to go to Samaria to encounter this one woman. Why? Because this woman was desperately seeking something, and she was never going to find it. This woman was looking for something. This woman desperately seeking to find either meaning or purpose or happiness or fulfillment. She was looking for it, but she wasn't looking in the right places. And so Jesus came to encounter this woman to give her direction and to give her hope. And that's really what I want us to consider is, is Jesus came to help her navigate her future. So I want to give us two points and two ways to help us navigate relationships, all right? Now, let me just give a side note. Because in a room of this size, there's, there's different uh, relationship statuses, we could say, right? Some of you guys are single, you've been single, and you'll probably be single for a while. It's good, praise God. Did you know, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you're like, before you're like, that's horrible. Can I tell you that being single is okay? That listen, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can clap in a second, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Being single is okay. Being single is actually a gift from God. God will give you grace in that moment. And let me just, in case you're like worried, Jesus was single his entire life. Okay? Jesus, and, 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 pause, pause. Jesus was human. So it wasn't like Jesus was just God and it was like, well, yeah, that's just what he did. No, Jesus was completely human. 
he knew what it was like to be alone. Not only Jesus, but the Apostle Paul, who wrote the entire New Testament pretty much, was single. Okay, so if you're like, I don't want to be single, you're in good company at this point. The problem is when we go out seeking and searching and wanting and dying for companionship. Okay, others of you, you guys are in a relationship, right? You're, you're dating somebody, and maybe it's going fine, and you, like, hold hands during the message, and it's, you love it. You're just, it's just great. It's fine. That's awesome. I want to help us navigate relationships so that we can do things well, okay? All right, a couple quick points, and then we're going to have root beer floats, and it's going to be amazing. Point number one, you got to remember this, write it down. Bad relationships can ruin all relationships. Let me say it again. Bad relationships can ruin all relationships. Look again at verse 6, verse 6 of this text. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. You want to note that. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. What is happening is that a woman is coming to a well to draw water by herself at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. You guys all should have gasped right then. Thank you. Now, the reason you should have gasped right then is because this was not common in their culture. Normally, for one, they would go very early in the morning to draw water. Why? Well, because you needed water for the whole day, right? You need water for the whole day. And two, it was cooler in the morning than it was at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So you would get up early. You would go because it's cooler. You would go to the water. You would draw it, and then you would have water for the whole day. Number two, in their culture, the women would go together in the morning to draw water. This was before The Bachelor, so this is what they had, right? <laughs> this, they, they, would, they would get up early. They would cruise out to the well, and at that time, they would talk about, they would talk about the latest gossip, right? They would talk about that what she did and what he was wearing and what she said and that that was just the time and now it's significant that at 12 o'clock in the afternoon this woman is going to the well by herself to draw water what we can assume about this woman is that her bad relationships probably ruined all of her relationships Now, we're told that this girl, she was married five times, and now she's living with somebody that she's not married to. Now, when you have that kind of a reputation, it spreads wherever you live, right? If you have that kind of, oh, that's so-and-so, she's been married five times, and did you hear? She's living with that guy. And that 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 was what would have been known about this woman. And so she she shows up by herself in the heat of the day, most likely because of her poor relationship choices. And we have all had that friend, right, that starts dating somebody and then falls off the face of the planet. Right? Like they 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 got a boyfriend or girlfriend and now it's like, "Have you seen so and so? What happened to them?" Like they're just like gone in another universe it seems like and then and then like they start coming back around you must assume like uh things might not be as good in in their little love nest as we thought and it's coming back right it's like they they disappear because listen 
A bad relationship can ruin all of your relationship. And anytime, this is so important that you understand this, anytime a relationship forces you to isolate yourself, it should raise flags. Because you want to know, for one, how they behave around your friends, and especially you want to know how they behave around their friends. Can I tell you, I've seen so many times where, especially guys, guys, stop doing this. Okay, guys, pay attention to me for a second. Stop being a jerk to your girl in front of your friends. It's so lame. It's so weak. Like, you're like all sweet. Like, I just love you so much. And you're like all sweet. And then you're around your guy friends. And you're like, whatever, bro. Like, what do you, stop it. Stop doing that. It is important. Listen, listen. It is important how somebody behaves in groups of people. If you're in a relationship that forces you to isolate yourself all the time, or if you're going down, or one day you might be in a relationship, and it forces you to isolate yourself all the time, it should raise flags. It is important that, that you can get along and hang out with other people in groups and not just spend all of your time alone. And a bad relationship can ruin all relationships. And this goes beyond just a dating relationship. Right? Bad friends can ruin all friends. Right? Because you want to surround yourself with people that elevate your behavior. You want to be around people that, that, that encourage you and, and push you towards better character, towards better behavior, not people that force you to lower your, your behavior standards. And bad relationships, they can ruin all relationships, and we've got to assume that that was what was happening with this lady. After, after a time, and maybe for a little while they were gracious to her, maybe after the first divorce, her, her friends were there for her, like, man, that's so hard. He was such an idiot. You're so much better than him. He wasn't good enough for you. And then after the second one, and then the third one, and then the fourth one, and then the fifth one, and now this guy, they're just like, do you know what? You're on your own. But listen, bad, bad relationships can ruin all relationships, and so we should be aware of who we surround ourselves with, who we hang out with, and then who we invest in, maybe in a romantic way. Number two, not only uh, bad relationships, but bad decisions can lower standards. Bad decisions can lower standards. Jesus sheds very interesting light on this woman. I love Jesus. He's so cool, isn't he? Like, he's just, he's so gracious, he's so kind, he, he has a point, he's not just, he's not just spilling the tea just so it's out there, right? He, he, he's there for a reason. But listen to what he says, verse 16. Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right, you have five husbands, and the one you, you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Five husbands, now she's living with a guy. At one point, this woman, her standards were marriage. At one point, the standard that she had for herself was marriage. Now, clearly, who she was marrying, or she was probably the problem, but whatever the case, they weren't the best people to be married to. But at least in the beginning, or for five times, her standard was marriage, right? Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not living with a person until he puts a ring on it. That was her standard, right? Like, I am not doing this until, until there is, there is uh, a security in this. And now what's happened? She settled. She settled. At one point, her standard was marriage. At one point, she said, I'm, I'm going to get married. And until, until we say I do, this is how the life's going to be. And now what is it? She settled. She's like, I'm just living with this guy. We'll see what happens. Maybe her heart's been broken too many times. She's, she's afraid, whatever it is. But she has now settled lower than that. And maybe her failed relationship caused her to think that she wasn't good enough for something more. Her problem was with her worth and identity. Her problem was with her worth and identity. And listen, this is so important. Jesus came to give her value again. Here's this woman alone. Here's this woman, bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship, probably compromise after compromise, and now settling and lowering her standards. And then Jesus came to give her value again. What's remarkable about their interaction is Jesus reveals some of the most profound and clear ideas about him as the son of God and as God himself to this random woman. Jesus, what he says, and when he talks about worshiping God in spirit and truth and making it abundantly clear, she says, we're waiting for the Messiah. And he's like, I'm who you're waiting for. He says it as clear as you possibly can say it. He doesn't say it to crowds of people. He doesn't even say it to the apostles. The apostles come back and they're like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, nothing. Jesus reveals some of the most profound things about himself to this random woman who society and even herself would consider a failure. And Jesus comes back and he, he speaks life into her. He speaks truth over her and shows her that she is worth more than the sum of all her mistakes. Can I say, you are worth more than the sum of all your mistakes. If you were to lump up all of your failures and say, this is what I've done, this is where I am, that does not make that your identity. You are still worth more than the sum of your mistakes. You are worth more than a relationship. Your identity is not in a relationship, either in one or not in one. Your identity is not in your sexual orientation. Your identity is in what Christ has said about you. And we need to understand that when, when culture wants to lower us to something, something to a number or a statistic or an orientation or an idea and say, that is all you are. Let me tell you, follower of Jesus, you are worth more than that. And Jesus wants you to know that your value is so much bigger than that. What your identity is that you are loved, you are called, you are unique, you are empowered, you are forgiven, you are chosen, you are gifted. Listen, you are saved by Jesus Christ. Your value is more than what's around you. And it's important that we understand that because if we, if we don't understand that, we lower our standards. And pretty soon, if we don't understand that you are, listen, you are a daughter of a king. 
Listen, you are a son of a king. You are a child of God. And if you don't understand that, you lower your standards. And then pretty soon you're like, well, it doesn't matter that they're not a believer because at least they're giving me the attention that I want. Or it doesn't matter that, that they're forcing me to compromise in ways that are, 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 are be- deeper than my conviction because at least, at least I'm getting attention. Listen, when you can understand who you are in Christ and you can place your value, sink your value in what Jesus has said and done for you, it will change how you view yourself and it will change how you view your life. Bad relationships, listen, bad relationships ruin all relationships. And bad decisions can cause you to lower your standards. So what do we need? We need to surround ourselves with good people. And we need to make sure that we carry our calling and our conviction and not lower our standard. So how do we navigate through this? How do we navigate relationships? How do we make good relationship decisions? Two things and then we'll be done. Number one, drink living water. That makes sense, right? Just drink living water and go home. (laughs) No. Let me explain it real quick. Jesus tells the woman that the solution to her problem is living water. He's saying that she needs a real relationship with God. The only way to be fulfilled in life is to be satisfied in Jesus is what he's saying. Because physical things cannot fulfill or satisfy spiritual desires. Physical things cannot satisfy spiritual desires. And what happens is we go looking. And and for many of us, we don't even recognize that it's a spiritual desire. We just recognize that we feel like something's missing. And so we think it's a date. Like, I'm missing something, so it must be a valentine. I'm missing something, so I must need this. We're missing something. And so what it is, is is, is I need more money. If I had more money, then I'd I'd be happy. Or, man, if I, if I had more fame, if I had more followers on Instagram, if I had more views on my TikTok or whatever you are into, then I would be satisfied. Listen, listen. Physical things cannot satisfy spiritual desires. What you're longing for is relationship with Jesus. What you're longing for is fulfillment that can only be found in him. And when you're satisfied in him, you won't look to other things. When you, when, you go, when you go to the grocery store filled with good stuff, like when you just ate like a nice healthy like chicken breast and some broccoli and, you know, just good healthy food, you're not like, you feel so good about yourself. You're like, I'm satisfied. Even if you had to like force it down. If you're like, I don't like broccoli, but I'm going to eat it. When you walk by the cake, you feel good about yourself because you're like, I'm healthy. I ate healthy food. I feel good about myself. I'm not going to eat that cake. So when you're, when, you're, when you're satisfied on good things, when you're satisfied on the right things, you don't settle for, for bad things. When you can be satisfied in Jesus, when you can fill your life with spiritual things, with what God has for you, you won't settle for less. So you've got to drink living water. That means relationship with Jesus. That means be filled with him. Not only do you got to drink living water, number two, you got to eat spiritual food. You got to drink that living water and you got to eat that spiritual food. What am I talking about? All right, look at the, the story continues. Look at verse 27. And uh, I'm going to read this in the worship team. I think this is a fine time for you guys to come up. Um, verse 27. 
And at this point, the disciples came. And they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? I love that. They come out. Jesus is hanging out, having a conversation with this woman. And the disciples are like, are you guys seeing this? This isn't normal. But they're like, you ask him. I'm not asking him. So they didn't ask. And it says, then the woman left her water pot. So that was the reason she came out here, but now she's got a new reason. She left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come, see a man uh, uh, that, who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Remember, he was weary. They went in to go buy food. Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat, which you don't know. And therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Like, I thought that's why we went out. Like, Did you bring him food? And Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus, he's talking with the woman, right? Disciples come back. They've got the bag of groceries, like somebody eating like a loaf of bread as they walk out. They're eating the French fries that fell out of the, you know what I mean? They're like out of the bag. They're walking out. He's talking to, he's talking to the woman, and they're like, who is he talking to? Why is he talking to her? And she leaves. She leaves her water pot. She runs back into the city, and they're like, all right, Jesus, uh, did you get the spicy chicken or regular? And he's like, oh, I'm good. I already ate. I'm food. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, no, I have food that you guys don't know about. What? He says, my food is to do the will of the Father. What Jesus is talking about is purpose. Jesus is talking about his purpose, the reason that he came, doing what God wants him to do. Listen, when you're doing what God wants you to do, it allows you to navigate relationships. When you're not doing what God wants you to do, when you're compromised in your calling, it's easy to compromise in relationships. When you're compromised in your calling and your identity and in your purpose, it's easy to compromise in other things. But when you're doing the will of the Father, like Jesus said, when you're doing what God wants you to be doing, it's easier to navigate through those relationships. And the same was true for the woman. Look at how the story ends, verse 39. It says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So you have this woman, right? She's living her life as she wants to live it. She is attempting to satisfy spiritual things with physical things. She meets Jesus. Jesus is like, what are you doing? Girl, what's going on? She's like, I'm just out here by myself trying to fill this water pot. He's like, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. I have five. You're, you're, clearly, you're desperate. He's like, I have something for you. It's called living water. If you drink of this living water, you'll never thirst again. What is he saying? He said, relationship with me. Satisfy your life with Jesus, and you won't go looking for other things. And then... She sets her water pot down. I love it. That was the reason she, she had no idea when she left that day alone. 
She had no idea when she left that day alone that she was going to encounter her Savior and her life would change forever. She leaves the water pot behind and she goes back to the city and she goes, guys, I met the Messiah. I met the Savior. I met the person that we've been longing for, that we've been waiting for, that we've been hoping for. My whole life, I thought I was going to be satisfied in relationship and, and doing this thing and, and fulfilling this need or this desire. And it's left me empty and broken. And she says, oh, he told me everything I'd ever done. And the people hear this, and I love it. It says, when they, they believed in him, when they, when they heard the testimony of the woman that he told me everything I'd ever done. This woman now has purpose, Right? This woman's purpose is now take what she's experienced in Jesus and go tell the people that are in her town. She goes right in, and I love this. The story goes on that people from the town come out, and Jesus says, he says, the problem is not the harvest. The problem is there's not enough laborers to, to reap the benefit of the harvest. In other words, there are people out there that are desperate for Jesus. There's just not enough people living in their calling and living in their purpose to reap the benefit of all the starving people that need Jesus. And so he says, look, the fields are white with harvest. And, and what he's referencing, most commentators believe, is that when all these men were coming out, they would have been wearing some sort of a white robe. That's what they wore. And when he says the, the fields are white with harvest, he's seeing all of these people walking out looking for something more. And he's saying, I, we just need more people that are going to live in their calling so that they can point these people to what they're longing for, and that is relationship with Jesus. And this woman, she goes from searching and longing for something more to stepping into her purpose. And listen, when you walk in your calling, when you walk in what God created you to walk in, when you're living in your purpose, you're not looking to be satisfied in a relationship. Because listen, let me tell you, relationship and marriage, because that's like what we think it's all going to, marriage is, is not the end, marriage is means to an end. Like, you don't get married and your life is like, okay, this is my life now. Like, I'm just, I just wanted to get married. No, you get married so that you can step into further obedience and step deeper into the calling that God has for you. And if God's will for you to get married, he's going to provide who you're going to marry. Right? You just keep being faithful to what God has for you. You keep being faithful to what God's called for you, and in the right season, the right people will come along. If you're out looking, if you're out there not doing what God wants you to do and out searching for something, you're not going to find what God wants for you. You're going to find something. Right? There's plenty of weirdos out there that I'm sure will, will happily date you and compromise all that God has for you. So what do you do? Drink the living water. Eat that spiritual food. Trust that God's doing the work.